Dance Your Heart On Fire podcast episode 101. As dedicated dancers, we all share a common goal to level up our dancing over time. This goal inspires us to take weekly classes, invest in private lessons, and attend workshops and festivals. And to make sure we don't forget what we learned and we can go back and practice, we record tons and tons of videos. How many videos do you have saved on your phone right now? How often have you reviewed them and extracted the golden nuggets that you learned from those classes? How often do you record yourself during a solo practice session or with a partner? If these questions are making you feel seen right now, I have the solution for you to organize your dance journey. The Dancers Training Journal 1.0, a Notion template to help you organize your dance videos and more. Notion is a cool and easy to use productivity app, and I've created a template for you that does the heavy lifting for you to have a system in place to organize all of your videos from your practices, private lessons, festivals, and more. To learn more about how to untap your dance potential with focus, accountability, and consistency with this dope resource, go to neokizomba.com slash templates. Again, neokizomba.com slash templates. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. We're coming at you with another episode, and we are in the triple effing digits. Whoop, whoop. Um, it's podcast episode 101. Uh, if you guys are listening to this now, you guys heard the podcast that I did with Florence for episode 100. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all the listeners that we have across the world. It's been a journey. I want to keep it going, keep the conversation going and creating content and yeah, I guess it's even really, really, really needed for dancers in this time and age with the pandemic going on to put out content online for the people out there to to engage with, you know? So I have my really good friend, my compadre on the line uh, that's also here in Dallas. And we go way back, way, way, way back to the beginning of, of, of kids. In Texas, the OG gangsters of kids in Texas. Uh, I have my buddy TV here on the ground, on the line. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing real good. Uh, eager to get it going. Uh, eager to share uh, and answer any questions you may have. Definitely, bro. Excited. It's uh, it's crazy to think that we've known each other this long. If you think about it. For sure. Sometimes I get like the Facebook memories, and I go back to that one, um, that one when I was still living in Houston. And it was when I started teaching my uh, on my own, and I was teaching at that one studio. Yeah, driven down from Dallas to come oh, and and take a workshop with me. There's been a couple of them, but 
This was like back in 2014, 2015 or something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. when I first started like really committing to, to driving and, and developing and my learning. skills. So came to you like you were one of the, the people that was pushing it pretty hard. I was like, screw it. I'll come out to see you. Let's see what, let's see what I learned. Got to get better. For sure. Uh, we'll see what our kill skills are going to be like after all of this crazy <laughs> COVID-19 stuff. But um, before we get started in today's topic about how to grow a dance community and what the support mean in the dance community and things like that, how's your new year been going? It's 2021. Uh, how is your 2020 as <laughs> a entrepreneur and also like a dancer? You had your events going. Just give us like a little check in with you. Uh well, it's going well, personally. Um, I'm, I've survived it so far. Um, I'm prepared if it co- come down with the COVID. But for the most part, I work from home. I have a business that allows me to do that. So I've been locked up doing that. Um, and I've been really working on a lot of personal stuff, my own personal business. Um, last year was unfortunate because we were, it was unfortunate because we were building such a good, strong, awesome community in Dallas that was uh, starting to really become known outside of Dallas. It was really growing consistently, and unfortunately, we had to hit the brakes on it once COVID hit. And now, uh, one of the things I'm really thinking about a lot is we're coming up on a year, and things look like they're transitioning. We're transitioning out of the craziness, and we may make it out. We will make it out eventually, Uh, but we will make it out soon. So I'm starting to really plan what the next stage will be for Kids Passion and for the local community, and how we're going to get hit the ground running. Um, So. That's what's heavy on my mind these days. And um, as a part of that, obviously, just talking to you and sharing what I can. So hopefully we can get a bunch of little communities like this that become bigger and bigger as we come out of COVID. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And just so people have a little bit of context of where your expertise lies, can you talk a little bit about what you do on your personal business? Yes, for sure. So um, I've been I'm a marketer. I do digital marketing. I've been in business for Coming up on 12 years, I quit my day job. Of course, in March 1st of 2009. <clears throat> so, what I do now is 100% marketing online. Uh, and in the last few years, just focus strictly on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, um, advertising, marketing, content creation, uh, as well as photography, videography, all the, the stuff that's needed to create a brand and, and pump it out into the, into the world. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember when I went full time and over the last couple of years, we like have little powwows. You actually the person that helped me get my membership site up off the ground when I first awesome. launched Learn to Kids. Yes. And that was really cool. You were kind of giving me some advice and techniques and strategies on how to get that all going. And that's going to be revamped again for 2021 because there's some new uh, skills that I have with my web design, especially that I learned during the pandemic. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> But yeah, we kind of share that same kind of passion for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And one thing that you suggested recently that we've been doing for how many months now? Has it been two months, three months? Oh, I think we're going on four. Oh, four months now where we have a call every week and we kind of try to keep um, ourselves accountable with our entrepreneurial goals. And it's been really helpful. And we're sharing like different people that we're following and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like a a mini mastermind, if you will. And that's been really... Go ahead. I don't know if I told you, but I call it the Jedi Mastermind, my weekly mm-hmm. Jedi Mastermind to collaborate and, and touch, talk shop with other individuals that are doing something similar, different, different spheres, but we're, we're, we're rocking along the same line. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually four months. So February 1st will be the end of the three month, 90 day period that we, we trialed this last, uh, that's like it's three months really ago. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I look, I look forward to it to kind of like have something to show for that next <laughs> call to come through. And so it kind of yeah. puts a little bit of a, a fire under your ass. And I feel like my content production has definitely been increased Dude, as well. Yes. Just like getting stuff out there and not fucking sitting on it and delving on it and trying to like strategize the shit out of it, just get it out there and then get feedback and then keep going, you know? Yeah. It's been impressive to watch you grow. Uh, I've uh, even just in the time that we've talked, like the quality, the speed with which you do it, I've been pretty impressed. So it's kind of cool because I've done the same. I've I've Mm. pulled some things to put some things together that I think I would have been lax on had I not had someone I had to talk to weekly. So highly recommended Mm -hmm. for anyone that that's out there, that, that in itself, uh, have somebody to talk to every weekend that holds you accountable. For sure. And I think what's cool about our calls is that we both kind of like made a decision to like start YouTube seriously and start like yeah. putting out content on YouTube and like video creation. So like going back and forth with ideas about uh, scripting <laughs> and video yeah. editing and lighting and uh, yeah. B-roll Sound. and you hiring a video editor and virtual assistant and all that kind of stuff. So it's yeah. it's been pretty cool to kind of have somebody to talk to so you don't feel like you're alone just like in your bubble uh trying yeah. to think of all these things you know that was always an issue being in a bubble but now you legitimately are in a stinking bubble because <laughs> leaving the house is if you leave the house you're considered an idiot and you're risking <laughs> you're risking mm-hmm. getting sick every single time but uh yeah <laughs> definitely brother all right so today's podcast how to grow a dance community and for the people who are like, why should I listen to TV? What is what has he done? Uh, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about what you were able to accomplish with uh, Kids Passion in Dallas just to give people some context? Yes, absolutely. Because nobody should listen to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, they shouldn't. And, and they shouldn't listen to anyone until they have some credibility, right? Especially if they're going to talk about something like this. What makes me worth listening to? Uh, well, in March... Was it March or so? February of 2019, I made a decision to push the Kizomba scene here in Dallas, Urban Kids Kizomba scene here in Dallas, and do and, and make it a full force effort to grow it, leveraging all my skills, uh, the marketing, the photography, all the all these pieces. Uh, and in the course of those nine months or so, before almost ten months by by February 2020, when uh, things start when COVID started to hit us, but in those ten months or so, we have we grew the the audience and the the community so large that we started to get the attention of everyone across the country. We did weekly events. We we had massive turnouts. We have great energy, and it became something that people were looking forward to and scheduling uh, on their week, um, the first and third Monday of every month. Um, they were scheduling and blocking it off to make sure they were present, and that's what 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 why you should listen to me because uh i have a little something to say and know a thing or two about a thing or two definitely and definitely from my perspective of seeing you build the kids press and brand uh, i definitely can attest to like dope photography uh dope videography and just like inviting people you weren't afraid to run facebook ads to invite people out and i think you started i think you said you started off with like maybe 20 25 people and then like on one of your biggest nights you had like 80 dancers that came out to a venue. And you've, you've, tr- you've also gone through some different venues as well. And we'll get through the story here yeah, on yeah, the yeah. podcast. But 
you definitely had some momentum going for sure. And then you had some DJs that were starting to come through, some instructors that are putting in their reps and things of that nature. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's been a fantastic ride. And throughout the whole process, it's been a learning process. Although I may have my skills and I'm, what I'm good at, I've never actually done something like this. So it was a learning experience. Um, and we'll get into it uh, as far as the content and the videos and the photos. I don't, mm-hmm. um, don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> For sure. No worries. And I just want to give people some context of like why they should even listen. Who is who is this guy? Like I never yeah. heard of this guy. And so I'm letting you know who this guy is. <laughs> um, and we were actually, this podcast is actually a result of one of our weekly calls because yeah. we went off for like 30 minutes. <laughs> we were like, I'm like, bro, this should be a podcast. And so yeah, it's exactly becoming a podcast said. now. So <laughs> now that we've gotten your credibility out of the way, um, e. if somebody's looking to build a dance community and this doesn't have to be kids it can be in any particular dance um what is one of the first things that they should focus on uh well first things they should be focusing on is getting new people so one of the things the two things that i I pinpointed were a problem in almost any dance community as i looked across the country i've traveled enough and i've been here locally long enough to to witness i think i've been dancing seven or eight years by the time this kind of I realized that I should do this. But mm-hmm. number one is to get some fresh new blood, to get new people consistently. And that I find that to be a problem. And the way I did that primarily, especially at the beginning, was through advertising, not mm-hmm. being afraid to run Facebook ads, YouTube ads, Instagram ads. Um, and because, like I said, this is a skill that I had, I was able to leverage it and do it at a relatively low cost because at the end of the day, it doesn't take too much money to get in front of a few hundred people every mm-hmm. week. But that, for me, was my primary way to get in front of brand new people that weren't, well, maybe may have been aware of what Chizomba and Urban Kids is, was or is, but they, they have not been formally invited to join our community, to come to our parties, to come to our events. Um, because I found that, one, in my opinion, one of the things that, we, that our communities do do well is to tag and promote amongst ourselves mm. and our circle of friends. But there's so many more people that we can reach if we just spend a little money in advertising. So that to answer your question, that's what I do. For sure. And from a marketing standpoint, since we're both kind of like in marketing and entrepreneurs, like if you have a clientele base, that clientele base is dynamic. You're going to have people coming in your funnel and people coming out of your funnel at different points, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like many dance scenes that I've traveled to well, across the, the U.S. and even internationally Maybe they have like the the first cohort, <laughs> using the word from Ali Abdal, but yeah, uh, yeah. the first cohort of people that kind of get together and learn. And like maybe that group is like 10, 20 people deep. But then after a while, life happens. Like yeah. people get new jobs, funny. people move, people lose interest, people get into up, a relationship. relationship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they don't so, need to dance anymore. Uh, that 20 people starts to dwindle. And if you're not getting new people coming in, then you're yeah. left with less people than the original cohort. And then yeah. it's it's hard to build because you need to basically, you can't have a, like a leaky bucket. You can't be oh, yeah. bringing people or losing people faster than you, you're bringing people in. And I feel like yes. a lot of communities struggle with that. Like they keep losing the people that are like getting more and more situated into the dance scene, but then new people are coming in. So it's just like, I don't know, it's it's kind of boring when it's like the the same people Week in, week out, month in, month out, you know? Yeah, you, you find yourself chasing your tail because you can't mm-hmm. get enough people in the door. And, and like I said, the reason 
that I feel that advertising is is a premium. That's one of the channels that I that I pursued, and I can talk about a couple others in a second. But it's because it brings brand new people like consistently. I think I had one one uh, Monday Nike Zumba where we easily had twenty or thirty brand new people that nobody mm-hmm. had ever seen before, and of those. Uh, at least five to ten showed up to Audi and Pam's class, and mm-hmm. because we encourage them from there to get to, to go to class, so that's the idea. Mm-hmm. They come into our event as an introductory kind of thing. We yeah. have a free class there. Eventually, we started to have free, uh, like a introductory class. So ten or twenty people, and then we encourage them to go to class. Uh, Pam and Audi is the the easiest one to push them to. Some of them did. So now there's fresh blood and new blood, and doing that week in and week out. You know, by the time you look at a year later, you might have 20 or 30 hardcore committed people and another 50 to 100 that are just like, hey, coming and going as they're comfortable. Exactly. That's that new blood that you need. For sure. We're going to talk about the 80-20 rule in just a (laughs) second. But I wanted to highlight the dance instructor perspective, you know, because as a dance instructor who's running weekly classes, it's hard to really advertise strongly to brand new students because you're trying to like... Uh, you do want new students to come in, but then you also have to make the current students that you have happy, oh, you know? Yeah. And if you have dance students that have been with you for a couple of months or something, then they want to get pushed to the next level. And then yeah. you're trying to juggle also having new people come in the door, depending yeah. on how big your team is, or if you have a dance partner or other instructors under you, that could be definitely uh, a huge <laughs> feat. Um, I remember with Fabian in Austin, we were trying to implement um, a, a strategy from Edie the Salsa Freak out of, of Colorado. And basically, yeah, yeah. she had it to where you have a team of instructors in like a huge room and all of the instructors are on the same timetable as to like, OK, we're going to teach for 15 minutes and then play one song or two songs, teach for 15 minutes and then another song or two. And everybody's dancing at the same time. And everybody's teaching at the same time. But then you could potentially have three, four, five, six different levels at the same time. So mm-hmm. the students coming in have a place for those people, the brand new students. The highest right. level has uh, an instructor dedicated to them and everything in between. And so yeah. it was really dope because the people could see the progression of like, oh, I want to get oh, to the yeah. top uh, mm-hmm. level. So that's like a little <laughs> bit of motivation. Yeah. And there's a place for the new people so they don't feel intimidated. There's a place for the most advanced people so they don't feel bored because as a dance yes. instructor, the hardest lessons to yes. teach are all levels classic, you know? Right. <laughs> and then at the end, there's a social and now everybody's intermingling with everybody. So now you yeah. have the most advanced dancers, hopefully dancing yeah. with the, the newest dancers and everybody's yeah. collaborating with one another, you know? So um, it was more of a pie in the sky type thing. Cause I never saw it like done. Cause it's hard to keep the instructors and on point and build that team is definitely challenging and then do enough marketing to pull everybody in. But I it's feel like that will be the best uh, way to run weekly classes. And that's one of the reasons I even stopped teaching weekly classes because it was tough. It wasn't profitable. And then it's like, even if I did get people in the door, I don't have the team to cater to everybody properly, you know? Right. The way I looked at that is like, that's not my problem. Uh, I focused on what I was, I was good at. Like, I knew mm-hmm. that that's an issue that all dance instructors have. We, I taught for a little bit and became a problem in the short time that I was teaching. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going to help them <laughs> bring mm-hmm. this blood in. So at least that's, uh, I helped them in some capacity. It serves me. It serves the community. But 
they get new students and then at least that they don't have to worry as much about the marketing, which mm. they should, everyone should. And they can, they can focus on that because that is, that is a huge challenge. And I hope some, someday someone figures out how to do that efficiently because it is, mm. you have to have the beginners, you have to have the, the, someone in the middle and someone that's maybe, I want to say advanced, advanced, but at least mm-hmm. further along to keep them engaged and keep showing up because we need them sure. to keep the younger, uh, fresher people excited about the future right exactly for sure yeah and that's the cool thing about you you mentioned the word community if you have different players in the community contributing different parts to help grow the scene then it becomes like a community effort that helps pull people in uh train them up and then another thing that you said before is you're giving them a place to dance because sometimes if you're so focused on the classes and everything like that, and then you're also trying to do a social, <laughs> now yeah. it, it's just too much for one person. And it's some people do it. Some uh, to to my respect and applause to the people in your cities. If you're wearing yes. multiple hats and you're the fucking Dude, dance instructor, taxi dancer, <laughs> DJ, mm-hmm. organizer, promoter, like I tip my hat to you because it's not Same easy. Here. A lot of people do feel committed to invest into the communities that way. But it is a lot easier when you're able to get people to contribute uh, collaboratively and do different things. So your role is definitely more along the the organizer promoter role. And I didn't start off with that. In fact, I hate organizing. I just did this Mm -hmm. out of necessity and I felt like I could do it. Uh, I'll figure it out. Right. Um, But to speak to. Well, I knew that I I could do this and and I didn't have to teach. I didn't want to teach. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm very good (laughs) when I did teach. I was all right. But that they can the teachers in the community could stick to that. Uh, They can focus on that. And I was going to focus on this. Um, Mm -hmm. And to the point of uh, the the older or or the students that were taking classes, that's what I found was problem number two Mm -hmm. that I needed to address, which is keeping them around Mm because unfortunately, the second problem is keeping people around. If you don't have somewhere for them to dance consistently that they can count on consistently having the energy attendance then inevitably they're going to fall off because they're like, why am I paying all this money? What's mm-hmm. the point? Yes. I, I, I know for a fact that a small percentage, I'd say like 5% of them will become fanatics and travel here or there and everywhere, mm-hmm. but most will not. So they just want something local. So I felt that, and it was a good excuse because I wanted to dance. <laughs> mm-hmm. To be honest, this is a way for me to put something on where I can dance, but I knew that if we can keep more people that are already going to class, give them a place to dance, to move, to practice their stuff and to like get tighter and becoming a community in becoming a community, then then those are the two uh, that my two prong attack at ensuring that we that they stuck around was through the events and through the events that I was going to hold. Mm-hmm. And it's huge because there's so many things that need to be in place in order for dancers to stick around, you know? Yeah. And Detention. it's interesting in, in the dancing because like, we'll get into support here in a second, but people feel like, oh, you need to come to my class or they feel entitled to people to have them come to class. But when you take a look at it from a marketing standpoint, you're not really in competition with other instructors or anything like that. You're in competition with anything else they could spend their time and money on. Yeah, it could yeah. be tennis lessons. It could be going <laughs> to the movies. It could be sitting at home, Netflix and chilling. Like yep. you have to get people wanting and excited about dance. And so more people teaching is only going to add more people to the pie versus like, I don't know, some people like, oh, I should be the only instructor. And again, your ego no. gets triggered sometimes. Yeah. Um, we, you and I have both <laughs> gone through ego issues 
just working with different members in the community, it's it's a natural thing that happens. But yeah. if you can kind of like take a take a breath, exhale, and like take take a step back and look at the big picture, the more people that are contributing and pulling people into the dance scene, then it's just going to be better for the community overall. And yeah, it's interesting. Like I feel like I've seen so many scenarios working with different organizers and instructors over throughout the country throughout the last couple of years that you just see all these different ways and people trying to like attract and retain and keep them around. And like, it's the same marketing principles, like uh, attraction and retention. And you were mentioning before 5% of them might become fanatics. And I think that touches on a very important concept that can help people think about what they need as far as numbers, which is the 80, 20 rule. Right. Do you want to explain that a little bit or do you want me to jump into it or? Uh, Oh, sure. Uh Uh-huh. So there's uh, Pareto's rule. It's a, uh, it's your marketer. Uh, you, you hear about it all the time, but and that's, and it's, it's something that's supposed to happen in nature all the time. Like if mm-hmm. uh, 80%, you get 80% of the knowledge from 20% of the book, mm-hmm. you uh, get 80% of your profit from 20% of your clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get 80% of your headaches from 20% of your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it relates to how it relates to this is I always think about it. If I want 20 people to be consistently showing up to our events, I want to attract 100 people because 80, mm-hmm. 20% of them, 80, 20, 20% of them will hang out, will continue to come. Mm-hmm. And there's another book that we read and I forget who it's called, but he goes in deeper that you can go even deeper into that. 20% of that 20% will mm-hmm. then become deeper, more ingrained, more fanatics. And then 20% of that will become maybe one out of a thousand, maybe become an instructor, right? Mm-hmm. It may become someone that tours the whole world, maybe become someone mm-hmm. that, that uh, hosts events. But to get back to the original hundred, I approach marketing and I approach, I approach the growing of the community at, and with those numbers in mind, with Pareto's rule and the 80-20 rule in mind, which is bringing a hundred people if I do my job, I should be able to retain at least 20% of them, 20 of them to be coming consistently, not necessarily every week, but just consistently and keep that in mind at all times. And always remember that no matter what, and you said this earlier, you're fighting for attention. Mm-hmm. We have so many things that we could do um, in terms of hobbies, passions, and where we're at in life. Uh, and just staying home and, and scrolling on the phone, <laughs> talking mm-hmm. about what they wish they could do that and, and actually showing up. So we're fighting for attention every single moment. And if you can get them now to your event, that is the ultimate way of getting attention and then retaining it. Um, so I look at that all the time and I think about it in my day-to-day life. Always think about that 80-20. What am I doing? And, and the fact that people leave is inevitable. Exactly. Focus on the 20 that stay there and make sure that it's a, a badass op, uh, experience no matter what you're doing, what lane you're in in the in the community and you sh- if you do that well you'll keep 20 for sure and i think having that mindset just uh releases you from having so much mental anxiety <laughs> or to feel yes. deflated like oh yes. i brought all these people and only 20 only 20 stays so i must be a bad instructor or something is wrong something's wrong with me or something like that it's like no this is human nature you know yeah. and if you go into the game expecting that then it makes it a lot easier for you to keep going and putting in those reps and expecting for a hundred people that you need to get in the door that maybe only 20% or 20 are going to stay. And that it can go yeah. smaller. Like if you're bringing 10 people, 10, maybe two people two. might yeah. come back next week or something like that. If you go in with that expectation, uh, yeah. if you get more than that, it's awesome. But if not, then it's just you're meeting your expectations 
versus expecting that 90 to 80 percent of the people that you bring in are going to come if, around. You if know? you do that, then you're incredibly good at what you're doing. <laughs> Um, but I will say there's ways uh, to ensure that it becomes 30%. It's not like exactly 80-20. The point is that there is this this percentage that, that will you'll retain in the percentage you want. It can mm-hmm. be 70-30. It can be 60-40. It can, it can fluctuate from week to week. But know that that is in play and that's just human nature and don't beat yourself up. But look at ways of optimizing week in and week out. And that's like another part of this conversation I want to look at, look at to talk about is always look at where you can refine and improve to ensure that you're hitting that 20 and if not 25, 30, 35 to, con- to con- keep more people because you have their attention, now keep them, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think another thing that's going to be a good segue right now, this particular point is that when you started all of this, you mm-hmm. started by yourself uh, doing <laughs> yes. events and things like that in, <laughs> in Dallas. And so... Uh, let's talk a little bit about that, like why you decided to start by yourself and your mindset of like, I guess, I guess we can get into like what support means in the dance community yeah, and, and right things of that nature. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. So number one, I said it earlier, uh, I just wanted to dance. Um, I just wanted a place to dance consistently where I can expect a good amount of attendance and a good energy. I wanted it to be out at a bar or a club, ideally a bar, because uh, I felt like that would allow us to... Um, to really vibe well, like whether you drink or not, it didn't matter, but it's just that environment outside of the mm-hmm. dance studio. I would say that from like a community standpoint, like it's easiest to have your socials at the dance studio where you have the classes, you know, right. but it's always kind of like the goal of like the, a milestone to be able to have an event that's outside mm-hmm. of the dance studio. But it takes a little bit of negotiation or yeah. numbers to be able to, because yeah. now you're talking about, okay, what's in it for the location that's going to be hosting right. the event, but whether it's a coffee shop or a bar or yeah. a club or ah. something, something Somewhere. that's outside <laughs> of the studio is going to create a whole different vibe than having yes. something Absolutely. in the dance studio. So I just wanted to interject that. No, for sure. Um, that was one of the primary goals when I set out on this. I'm like, all right, they're learning, they're in class. We need to get out of the studio, create a new vibe, a new energy. I do at a bar. So if people wanted to have a drink and my mindset at the beginning was I'm going to do all this by myself. I'm not going to recruit anybody. I'm not going to ask anybody for help. I had a couple of people that I mentioned to offer to help, but I just didn't know how they could help. That was part of the reason. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know. And I, I wanted to make sure that I knew what roles I needed before I asked for help. And I knew Which that is- I could do it if I had to. Um, and, and there was another element, which is I don't want to I don't want to lose friends over this. If someone jumps on board and they don't do the job that I ask them or I'm terrible at communicating because I didn't know, I didn't want the relationship to fall through. Mm. So that was incredibly important for me. And this wasn't something I wanted to get into to lose friends. And I have quite a few friends in the community. But I had the mindset overall that nobody owed me anything. Nobody owed me their attention, their support, their pre- even their presence. And, and it seems kind of harsh, but I, I have that approach in life. Nobody owes me anything. I have to make it. Uh, my goal with the event was to create a product that became so irresistible that people were tripping over themselves, A, to show up and be uh, involved and, and dance and, and just show up because it was going to be a damn good time. And two, people wanted to participate and, and support in, in the truest sense because they felt like they could contribute or they wanted to be a part of something that was awesome and amazing. Not because I asked them to or they felt some sense of obligation. For me, I always approached it that nobody owed me anything and that inevitably they w- people were just going to come to me magnetically because the, 
the, the product itself just uh, appealed to them. The, the, the events and everything about it was something they could get behind and then truly support. Definitely. And let's talk about, I guess, what we've experienced or what people perceive what support means in the dance community. <laughs> Because yes. I feel like over the years, like sometimes people get burned out because they feel like they don't have enough support from the community or right. just because they do anything in the dance community. People should automatically come out right. to it without realizing like, well, is this a, a quality event? Like, how do you make mm -hmm. it irresistible to where like it doesn't matter and to get their attention? You know, um, I feel like sometimes people can think they're doing a lot, but then if you take a look at the marketing perspective of like, hey, it has to be irresistible. What other mm -hmm. things can I do with my time instead of coming out to this, I don't know, mm -hmm. practica that's like in a closet, quote unquote, not to say that I've seen <laughs> that, but just to like, hey, this yeah, is a yeah, practica yeah. in a closet. It's yeah, not yeah. like a, a quality event. Why should I invest yes. my time and money and effort to come out and spend time here, you know? Um, so I think the quality of the event is important. And then I feel like a lot of people in the dance team sometimes feel like, oh, I'm I'm investing all this time. True. And that should inherently mean that everybody is going to automatically support what I'm doing. Right. To me, I'm a business owner and I'm a marketer, so I can't help but look at everything objectively. And because we're in a dance scene, there's some some different rules that apply, some some different social behaviors Mm -hmm. That may not apply in a regular business, but just because you put on an event, nobody owes you anything because at the end of the day, support is it's it's pretty sticky when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. Yes, people should support, especially if you're the only one they should, in a sense. But what you're asking people by supporting is not just their money. Say it's five bucks, ten bucks, a dollar. But let's take away money and say it's free. You're asking their presence. What is their time worth? You're you're asking them to invest the 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 wear and tear on their car. You're asking them to get in their car and drive for at least 15, 20, 30 minutes one way and then 30 or 40 mm -hmm. minutes, you know, the opposite. So this is not just that one hour, two hours of support that you're asking for. You're asking for quite a bit. Could right? be a babysitter. So say, it, it's so much involved in it. They have to alter their entire schedule. It, to ask someone to be present at anything, and I always looked at it this way, uh, a mentor of mine actually said this is, if anybody shows up to an event, that is a huge undertaking mm. um, because their entire schedule has to be moved. Everything has to be cleared. If they're flying or say, say when I was going down to Houston, the amount of uh, logistics that need mm -hmm. to be taken into account, logistical uh, items that need to be taken into account are through the roof. Mm -hmm. So even if you're local, there's still all these considerations. So supporting is a huge request when... It, Let's say if you just started out, you probably will get people to support you just on the sheer notion of, hey, you're doing it. I'll show up. Mm -hmm. Problem then becomes if they don't continue to support, you have to look at it from a point of view of like, all right, what's wrong in the product that I'm offering? There's an right? exchange of value. There is an exchange of value. So if you truly are making it dynamic, fun, engaging, if you have to look at it from top to bottom. How many people are the promotion at the beginning, you know, front end? What is the entire experience like? And if, because at the end of the day, to ask people to continue to support your event, even though it's low attended, energy is low, location, the venue may be mad, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to do it, not in mass numbers, not in enough mm -hmm. numbers to sustain you. So you have to legitimately look at all the, the pieces in the puzzle and figure out where is, where am I going wrong? 
because I had, tw- let's say you had 20 people last week that showed up to your first or second one, mm-hmm. you were hosting an event, but now you only have three. Well, those numbers aren't very good. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you should be shooting to get a hundred there. So that way you have 20 or 30, mm-hmm. but you have to objectively look at the res- the, the product. And with me, I, ma- <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that from the get go, it was a good experience that those 20 or 30 that showed up the first time, at least 15 or 16 or 17 of them would come back and give me another shot. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're, it's your trust. You're trying to earn their trust to ensure that they, they do it again. If they don't, then that something's wrong in the actual offering that you put out for them, the product that you put out there. It's, it's mm-hmm. no way around it. And you have to remove your ego from it. And I know that I may catch some shit from it, but there's, that's not an accident. Because if it's a damn good time, people are going to come. And they're going to tell their friends and they're going to tag their friends on their own. Right. So Mm -hmm. I got to rant. Definitely. (laughs) No, for sure. This is this is what inspired us to do the podcast in the first place, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I was hearing you speak about like the sacrifices that people need to make to get to your events, it it does inspire a sense of gratitude. You know, like when I think back on my journey and being able to travel to like Canada, Mexico, uh, the United States, all different cities and people would drive three, four, five hours to come out to the workshop, to one of my workshops or to come to that festival or something like that. That is like, man, I appreciate you making that sacrifice of your work schedule, your babysitter, your dog sitter, your cat, um, the Ah. money, the hotel flights, the food, and you paid the pass and you're taking a private lesson from me. Like, bro, like, or woman, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like that is (laughs) gratitude, you know? And it's in the second and, and not to say that I'm not also sacrificing right, things right, as well, right. it's but an like both the people is yeah. an exchange of value for sure. You want to say something? Yeah. Uh, Jay-Z said something years ago he, in a song like you, and I, I, was, I think I said it at one of the Azimboras, which one of the bigger socials I was throwing it like you could be anywhere in the world mm-hmm. but you chose to be here with me. Mm-hmm. That resonated with me that that phrase with you like you could be anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with me. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for your presence. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Continue. So oh, and I that was like, one more thing. One more, mm-hmm. one more thing. Sorry. No you worries. earn their trust. You earn their trust. For them to be willing to jump through all those hoops, you earn their trust. Trust is the in- most integral part in all your marketing is you're trying to gain trust, enough trust for them to give you a shot and for them to do what they did for you in this example in Canada or wherever. It's a huge amount of trust that you mm. are going to pull through and give them some type of experience and education or whatever to be able to do, to be willing to do all that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's like they are trusting you and your sacrifice to your craft, your product, yes. your service, you know, and in exchange for that, they're also going to sacrifice to come yes. and be in the same place so you guys can even have the exchange of value to begin with, you know? Yes. So absolutely, I feel like if you come at it from that gratitude perspective, And even for myself, I have to remind myself of this sometimes, like instead of expecting people to support you right off the back, it's like, oh, let me put myself in the shoes of these people. And it just helps create a little bit of more empathy, you know, and that's not to say that sometimes you can't stretch you. You can't stretch yourself out too thin, you know, Uh, with myself, for sure, like running events, traveling, all that kind of stuff. Like the pandemic has been good because I'm like getting a chance to kind of like take a step back and breathe because I also go, 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 go for uh, a couple of years. But in that same token, uh, that's more on the self-awareness side. But when you put yourself in the empathy, you decided to put yourself out there. You decided to host an event. You decided to do this. Then you have to put yourself into that because nobody's asking you. Nobody's holding a gun to your head saying, hey, teach a weekly class. 
do a social or travel to teach at this festival, anything like that. So if you're not going to, if you're going to enter the ring, then you got to be ready to yeah. to like rumble and and see what's going to happen. In the you, know? face. <laughs> you better be ready to be a punch in the face. That's business 101. Like mm-hmm. that's why a lot of businesses fail within the first five years because you're mm-hmm. going to get punched in the face. You're going to realize that you don't have the systems to attract people. You don't have s- systems to keep people. You don't have systems to customer service. You don't have the systems and the, the awareness and the education and you're not able to adapt fast enough. That's why businesses fail all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So over the co- your experience, mm-hmm. if you were to think of support and the people think, OK, yes, there's presence. But like, what are other ways of supporting? Because you mentioned tagging before, but I know in a lot of your advertisement, instead of tagging people or tagging 99 people on a post, which we've all been a part of on, on Facebook, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you'd rather run Facebook ads. So talk a little bit about different types of support in, in the community from your perspective. So that's I guess there's two pieces to that. One is I chose not to tag people because I think it's become such a common practice that people are that are not even interested in your event end up getting tagged or I get mm. tagged all the time. Well, I used to get tagged all the time. It was much, it's becoming less and less um, of a practice or people just stopped tagging me because they knew that I was annoyed as fuck and I was going to remove it and maybe report them. Mm. But I found that I didn't want to risk that annoyance and that they associated me or my brand with that annoyance. Mm. Um, that they may not even know about me. And that went as far as I asked my team to never tag anyone in anything unless they legitimately felt like they were interested, right? Because obviously, hey, hey, girlfriend, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Monday Night Kizomba is going down. I've been telling you about it. Here it is. That's mm-hmm. one thing. But if you tag 100 random people because, you know, you're just hoping that to play the numbers, I begged them and asked them not to do that. Because I felt like for me, it's, it's, it's a little much. Tag a few people here and they're fine, but don't tag 100, 200, 300. Don't invite your entire list. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And that even reminds me of the new Facebook policies that limited the amount of people that you can invite to Facebook events because it got to oh, a really? point to where I'll get yeah. invited to like events in Europe and Spain <laughs> and Russia. Yes. And it's like, are you paying for me to come out there? Or you just wanted yeah. to know about it? Or it's, it's interesting. So now it's like you can only tag 500 people versus like, I think some people, I think there was a time where you could like just select all your Facebook friends Uh, and click. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a little bit crazy. But like, again, it's like it's marketing. Like, who are you trying to attract or you just trying to like get anybody to to show up, you know? Yeah, I didn't want to be associated with that. I felt like it was leaving a bad taste in people's mouths. And as it's becoming more and more prevalent. I just didn't feel like it was best use of time either. I don't, mm-hmm. I, and I also didn't, I, I, I didn't want to be shared. I didn't like just post my events in all the groups that are out there because mm. I didn't think it was the best use of time. Most of those groups are dead that were out there, those dance communities. So I checked them out. I'm like, yeah, that's not worth my time. So For sure. um, he asked me, this, what was the second part to that question? What's in my mind right now is uh, you talked about not a good use of your time. So you hear about the link of time and money. And if mm-hmm. you decided to spend money and run Facebook ads, and that takes a little bit of different approach because now you're trying to target people versus just like, I don't know, cast a, I guess as a, with an ad, you're still trying to cast a wide net, but now mm-hmm. you're being a little bit more intentional about who you're trying yes. to attract. Yes. Yes. So I remembered actually with the second part to that, like, what, mm-hmm. how do I view support, true support, right? Mm-hmm. Let me finish that because now you For got sure. to no, 100%. Ah, this, the, the, the question you asked right before is like, how do I view support, uh, true support? 
for me, it became when people stepped up and said, how can I help? Mm. Legitimately. Like by this point, we, I think it was two, three months into it. They're like, how can I help? What, what do you need help with? And at that point, I was like, all right, I know exactly what I need you to do. I knew mm. the roles I needed. I didn't know how I was going to break down, but I, I, they stepped up and I have now like 10 or 11 people who helped me in some capacity. And my, my view on the support even then is that there's no obligation. It's always voluntary. They can opt out at any given moment. And sometimes maybe things happen and they had to opt out because they couldn't attend or this or that. Mm -hmm. But as individuals that truly show up on their own accord and I don't ask them to help. And I know actually there was a couple that I did ask like, hey, do you want to be a part of it? Like, hell yeah. So there, it was a hell yeah versus like, um, just like, okay, sure. Why not? Because mm -hmm. now they feel obligated. At the, at one of the big things, and this is even with uh, the instructors, I never asked them for their support here locally. I didn't ask one person, um, Audi, Araceli, Chica, uh, Chica, Sandy. I didn't ask any of them to share my event, to support, you know, to share mm -hmm. my event in the, and even in supporting. Because once again, I didn't want to make them feel like they owed me anything. And I know my, I actually talked to my girlfriend and I'm like, I may need some therapy for that. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. there's nothing really wrong with it intrinsically. However, I just didn't, I, I don't want to make them feel like they owe me anything because they don't. They don't owe me anything. They're doing their thing. They're busy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to go out of my way to promote. And if they feel like doing it, they do it on their own. And then for me, it's a better metric of how successful or how well I'm, I'm actually promoting or encouraging people to, or, or they're seeing the, the organic vibe. shares. But organic shares to me are much more valuable. And I'd rather see those and those tags and those shares and those comments, because now I can use them as an actual metric of success. How successful, how is my messaging? How is it uh, resonating with people? Otherwise, you don't know if they shared it just because he said so. And then it's, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. Maybe I didn't write that well. Because everything is writing, right? So I have to write better. Do I need to tell a better story? So support to me is when people do something on their own accord, without my request, or without me trying to corner them into the, uh, aren't you going to support corner? Like, oh my God, mm, you know, you're supposed to support. Sure. Nobody was required or asked to be a, to attend that wasn't, didn't want to be there. And just to kind of, uh, did you have some thoughts? I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I like the idea of organic support versus yeah. like uh, asked of support, you know, like you can yeah. let people know like, hey, if you feel inspired, like people do it in the, in the YouTube videos all the time. If you got yeah. value from this, I'd appreciate a like or a subscriber or something like that. But yeah, if yeah. you feel inspired to do so, you know, if not, then don't. And that gives me a, also a metric feedback, like yeah. we talked about feedback. before, feedback that loop, I need yeah. to do something to make these videos more valuable or this event or product or yes. XYZ, yes. Yes. you know, versus like uh, asking people to do that for sure, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's huge. When I took a look at my metrics, also going back to the advertising and then looking mm -hmm. at the metrics. On some, in some instances, I was advertising for like a dollar a day just to mm. put my message out there because it was about branding, right? Mm. Um, after the events, one of the things that I would do is I would take pictures because that's part of the, the, the strategy to kind of lead us down that path. How it helped start to grow it. The event itself served as a, um, a content creation machine because mm. as long as I was taking pictures, trying to take a handful of pictures and taking some video, I would then grab that and then promote that. So whenever I would promote and advertise it on the low end, I'd, I'd spend like a dollar a day to promote some photos or maybe the group photo to share with the world that we're, we're having a good time. Maybe you should join us. Um, and then seeing the, the comments, the likes and the shares there, that to me was much richer because they're, they're 
and by the way, I'm advertising to people that are already interested in Kizomba mm-hmm. or interested in the, in dancing. So it's not a reach for them to say, you know what? I've been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Let me, and it looks like they're having fun. I'm going to check it out next week or whenever the next event is. But those metrics, the likes, comments, shares show me true engagement as opposed to engagement that was um, coerced. <laughs> exactly. And before we get into the kind of growth and, and retention strategies that you implemented, let's talk a little bit about the content creation machine, because sometimes people will have a really, really dope event, but they don't have the mindset of content to then use that to promote and attract people to the next event. They're yeah. just expecting people to automatically support again. Yeah. So there's yeah. no video, there's no yeah. photos or Maybe they might take a snap of you or do like a Facebook live or something like that. But talk to us about the the content machine that you created, which again, overlaps with your idea of uh, advertising. Right. Well, well, the content is needed or else you have very little to advertise. It's just you. Okay. So if you need content, whether it be a photo, a video or something to be able to advertise and what better content to use to promote what you got going on than photos and video of your event and people having fun, smiling, dancing, engaging, that kind of thing. If you put on an event, it should all, you should already be planning the next event and using that content created from there. Uh, even if like my encouragement to anyone that says, well, I don't have a professional camera or I have a videographer. I get it. Um, at the beginning, uh, I was using, I had some cheaper supplies and the event itself forced me to learn to be a better photographer, to learn mm. to be a better videographer. But you can use your phone and the current phones even are great in low light. Exactly. So in the dark. Yeah. Like you can shoot some decent video, get, you know, obviously watch some YouTube videos on how to hold it better and stabilize the, the mm-hmm. video or how to frame things better. So it becomes easier to actually look at it and see that there's some value there. Mm-hmm. So they and some Photoshop yes. skills to yeah. put your logo Ooh. or even edit the photo properly as well, you know, dude. But you can do that now in, in phone as in well. App, like for sure, apps, you can do all that. There's apps mm-hmm. for everything. You don't have to go over the top. Make sure that you're leveraging the events where you have some human beings present, having fun. Mm-hmm. Have snap some photos, snap some video of that to be able to promote the next one. Because mm-hmm. there's no better way to convince someone to that you're that this is a good time than showing other human beings doing it. It's one thing for you to say, oh, my event is great. It's going to be amazing. You should really show up. It's one thing if you say that, but it's like, yeah, yeah, you're the promoter, right? Versus video, footage, uh, photography of that individuals who are smiling, having fun. They should, you should have so much of that that it's, it'll be easy to then promote a new picture every day of the week, whatever. Mm-hmm. You should always be having that mindset. Um, as a part of my event, I eventually I found someone that volunteered. It was supporting that would be in charge of live video mm. um, because that would be another element that is like we're shooting this live. Look at us. We're here. We are. The class is getting started. Here, oh, look, check out the event. Like, and some of them actually went kind of viral. It was kind of weird. Facebook started serving it up. Mm-hmm. But that to me is live stuff. Like, damn it, I'm missing out. I wish I was there. Where? What city are you in? Da da da. So the the event should be helping promote the next event. Definitely. Before we get next into our next section here, um, I want you to give you opportunity to go ahead and talk about your course that you have uh, coming up. Yes. Because even like what you said about like, hey, if you don't have this at the beginning, here's some things that you can utilize now. Yeah. And that's getting to the whole thing that of this course that you're talking about. So go ahead and, and talk about your course and then we'll continue into the, the growth and retention. Fantastic. This commercial is brought to you by. Um, <laughs> so. 
I'm actually putting together a course around where I teach all this stuff, uh, go a little more in depth. I'm trying to share as much as possible right now, but we can only go so long. Um, a course where I talk about the, the mindset, the processes that I used to create the community that, that we have here in Dallas. Um, I would do want to make, make sure and say that this wouldn't have been possible if there wasn't instructors already teaching. I think I could have still put on the event, but people needed to be teaching for this to happen. People had their lanes, right? But the course itself would focus on the, what the strategies to help attract more people, bring in new people. Some of them paid, some of them not. For example, uh, building a website and getting it ranked for Dallas Kizumba. That was also a strategy that I used. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all these strategies. And then the other piece, to, key element to the course will be retention. What strategies, and we'll discuss them here in a second as well. What strategies I used to actually keep people and ensure that we kept bringing more people into the community. Uh, and even attracted some of the old timers. That was the coolest one. We had an event where we had the OGs show up mm-hmm. and it was like crazy. It was actually MLK, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it came up on a year. But anyways, uh, we're going to talk about it a little more later on. But I'm putting together this course. I'm going to start. It's not ready, but I'm eager to share it. Uh, people have been asking for it uh, to share this information because my vision would be to have a handful of these little communities that are growing all over the country, which just haven't. And all you really need is more information and more awareness about what could be done and what's possible. Definitely. And where do people go if they want to get on the, the wait list? So go to kidspassion.com. That's K- kidspassion.com slash waitlist. And that's K-I-Z passion.com slash waitlist. Just submit your name and number. You can even submit questions that you might have um, that you want answered. And depending on the, the question, I may include it as part of the course because I want to use it as a way uh, to actually answer the real questions that people are having. I think I can answer most of them, but hey, maybe there's something I'm not aware of. But um, yeah, just go to kidspassion.com slash waitlist, submit your information. And if you sign up, if you get on the waitlist, when I release it, you'll get a 50% discount for helping me put it together. For sure. And I'll make sure to put that link in the description for you guys who are listening now. All right, brother. So this has been a really good conversation so far. I like the the merging of like the dance passion and the entrepreneurship um, Mm -hmm. and dancepreneurs and all this kind of stuff. I can we can talk about this stuff for hours hours <laughs> but it's really cool to hear you talk about investing in advertising versus expecting people to automatically support or like you said before the number one problem getting people to new people to come out to the event who may have heard a kizomba or something like that but just didn't know that there was something going on in town yeah. because if you're only tagging the people who are already in the scene then what are you doing to like bring those people in you know and We've all experienced and personally and witnessed people who are just kind of like fighting over people in the same scene or even in yeah. Texas to where like, oh, you're doing a workshop in Dallas. I'm doing a workshop in Austin. How are you going to do a weekend or how are you going to do no, a workshop wrong? on the same weekend? It's like how we're, dare you? we're two different cities, you know, so. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. That actually sets me up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm going to say something that may many people may disagree on. Especially, Speak your shit, brother. All right, all right. Here I go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Is this thing on? <clears throat> so locally and let's just say statewide, I have this philosophy that every city should be cultivating their own community. Every given, like most of the major cities have a few million people that live there, right? <laughs> every one of them. And to expect 
another city to not plan events at the same time as your city, because now you're depending on that city, that city's people to show up to your event to me is ludicrous. Um, your your base is like asking a pizza joint in San Antonio <laughs> not to not to serve pizza on Saturday because I'm serving pizza that Saturday. It's like no, obviously it's it's a little ludicrous, crazy example, mm-hmm. maybe not even totally connected, but hopefully you get the point. No, I get every the point. <laughs> thanks. Uh, your bias, but every city <laughs> should be working towards, and it's tough, and I get it because as a as a independent dancer. As a dance instructor, as a uh, event organizer, you need as many people as possible. You don't want to lose money on the event, you, you know? You don't want to lose money. But if you're putting on something that big that requires people from other cities to show up, and if they don't, you lose, then you probably shouldn't put on that event. Mm. Right? Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at math. Let's look at business. If you want to do that, then so be it. But know that to ask that and then be upset when Austin or San Antonio or Houston plan something that same week is, is no. I've taken the approach and this is, like I said, maybe a little mildly controversial or all outright controversial that I am responsible. I will take responsibility for building a scene um, so big that it can be self-sustaining. And every, if every city takes that approach and they do put on an event and for any people that do come from outside of the city, it's just a bonus. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, like I said, going back to the beginning, this takes time, but it takes the right mindset. If you start looking at it from that, mi- that, that point of view and that approach, then you can do it if you start putting it out there, getting a bunch of people every single week to become aware of it. And now circling back to the tagging, when you do tag or if you're just sharing amongst yourselves, Eventually, your own friends are going to get sick and tired of you who aren't already dancing. They're going to be like, I already know you dance. Kizomba, my God, get out of my face. Mm -hmm. So the advertising piece, the promotion piece allows you to advertise to people outside of that circle because that's what we need to do. We need to be advertising and promoting. And I don't mean just on Facebook. And I will say this. This is a recent realization is Facebook. The average age on Facebook is 40 years old. We're an old group in there. Mm. So that's all it's, you're doing. I would say it's probably gotten older over the past 10 years. Oh, for sure. Well, it's only been around for 10 or well, maybe 10 or 12. So when mm-hmm. it started, the average age was maybe 20. Because it was, the average it was popular among college kids. It was the only I way you could get in. If you had, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can only jump in if you had an EDU uh, email, if you had a, a college from different colleges. So now, <clears throat> obviously, it's gotten bigger and the average age is 40. And most of the young people avoid it at all costs. So even in the last couple of years, Facebook is still a primary place where you can advertise. It's simple. It's easy. It doesn't cost too much. You can get out there uh, for very little. And if you value your time, I'd rather personally, I'd rather advertise and be tagging people, be commenting mm-hmm. or posting it in different groups. That's just my, my take. But Instagram is becoming massive. TikTok is becoming massive. What's the other one? Too? YouTube and mm-hmm. YouTube, like those channels, people are going to YouTube every day googling music or googling videos and demos Mm -hmm. right so don't just focus on facebook the point is there are people already searching outside of facebook and within facebook that are in the audience so promote and promote on other channels because they're out there and the average age of most kizomba dancers i think is 25 to 30. yeah 25 to 35 i would say yep 25 to 35 i'm already on the outside of that damn Mm. (laughs) Um, but with that in mind going back to Facebook like they're already aging out most of them aren't going to care 
most of them. I'm, I know it's not 100%, but know mm-hmm. that there are other channels where you could promote and advertise and organic reach is actually very possible, but you have to understand how that works in those channels, those various channels. And grow your scene. Like, so getting back, grow your own scene. Stop begging or being pissed because Houston put on an event at the same time you did. Mm-hmm. Or Austin. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't have time to be angry at anyone. That's my, that's my sure. job. Promote. And it would be awesome if both both places, both cities can host their events and they're both well attended and profitable and stuff like that. It's just better for the scene, you know? Everyone. It's better for everyone. It's 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 time that we grow up and realize like I need to stop being selfish because this is just being selfish. Oh, they owe me their their support. Mm. Nobody owes you anything, especially if you've already have a reputation as a, as someone that hasn't been able to host. And it may not. It's not a personal attack. Mm. It's more of the event itself is not consistent, or it, they they because at the end of the day, you're you're building a reputation for your for brand sure. and your consistency to be able to pull people, make it fun, make it engaging, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. If you do that, then they'll choose you over the next city. Exactly. Right. And the thing that's important as well is I feel like if you are asking people from other cities to come, like, what are you doing to accommodate them? You know, like, is there a place they can sleep and crash at night? Is it going to be a social help them out with the logistics to make it more enticing for them to come? And then, like, I don't know, like some people, maybe half of the people choose to stay in the city because they don't have money for babysitter, yeah. dog sitter, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> versus traveling and maybe hey i want to come see you because your birthday was this week and so and there's a kizumba event so now i have two reasons to come out yeah. to the city to that workshop event so there's there's other things happening in people's lives outside of just that uh event for that weekend you know yeah, absolutely uh, that's one of the things that did come out of the, the my team is we have a hand, not only the team but there's a their outer circle as well they have a handful of people that were like you just tell us when you're ready to host another bigger event we're ready to host mm. because yeah. And the dance community it is something beneficial that will help encourage others to show up uh, because they know they have a place to crash and at least save that money. Mm. For sure. So, and they don't have to pay for an Airbnb or yeah, a hotel yeah. or anything like that. You know, and somebody they know, you know, or somebody they at least are familiar with, they can trust. Mm-hmm. Awesome, brother. So I like what you just said about like people willing to host because you said that you started this whole thing by yourself. But obviously, you've grown into having multiple people on the team, and it really does take a community, like people willing to host DJs, photographers, people to go oh. live and all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about roles in the community and then also like roles that you started to like bring people on your team for to kind of get mm-hmm. perspective as you started to figure out what roles were available that you needed help with. Uh, so when I started, I did well, I did all the marketing, all the writing, all the photography, all the video. <laughs> I was a DJ. <laughs> I was the MC. I, I, like, let me say this. It's not to say I was very good at it. Mm-hmm. You spread yeah, yourself I, like, too I, thin and it's, you, you can't give the amount of proper attention that you need to each, each individual task. And I've been yeah. there. So it's, it's not mind easy, mind. but sometimes it's necessary to kind of get, you have get to, the ball at the beginning. In the beginning, you really have to. Uh, but it was needed and everyone was just happy that we had a place, right? Mm. And then we became more and more sophisticated. Obviously, we wanted it to become better and better. But number one, job number one, is it fun and is it energy, right? <clears throat> um, so one of the first roles, and, and as we started getting better, I started to realize, well, I need a DJ because at first it was just SoundCloud. Mm. Um, and that worked. I had a playlist that, and I had a paid premium uh, subscription. <laughs> so no that. ads. Commercials <laughs> don't pop. Like they don't need to be hearing other people's ads. Yeah. I was like, at least have a premium or the, the subscription that allows you to just let the playlist run. 
Question. Um, but I, was it yes. individual songs or were you playing mixes or? Initially, I didn't even think about mixes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been the smart thing to do. I didn't think about it. I just I, I did a playlist and tried to categorize it as best I could, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Um, sometimes it works and sometimes it didn't. Uh, but people were just happy. Then I realized I'm going to learn to DJ. I'm like, shit, now what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. And I already, I've always wanted to learn DJ and actually took classes a while back. So it was not a complete stretch. Once again, it wasn't very good. So I had the equipment and uh, BJ, the DJ, um, stepped up. And at the time uh, here in Dallas, he, he just said, hey, can I help? Can you teach me? Or and I said, sure. And I started showing him the, the, the thing. And I'm like, man, if you want, just jump on. There's no pressure. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the, the point I want to make here is the event itself helped me nurture talent. Mm-hmm. And give them an opportunity to just learn. There's no pressure, none for me. Even if you mess up, which I did every single damn week, <laughs> <laughs> people are just happy to show up. Because by the way, this event is free, so screw you. If you get pissed exactly. off because my mix sucks, <laughs> then you're getting, <laughs> you need to find somewhere you else need to, to go. go fly to Paris <laughs> and go listen to that quality of DJ. Go you suck know? a lemon. Go suck <laughs> a lemon. Um, but I mean, I'm, I, I don't mean that really. Like, yes. obviously, I'm going to listen to feedback. I want to get better. Yeah. However, there's we have the platform to learn with very little pressure. He he was willing to do it, and then before you know it, he went head over heels for it, jumped on board, and in my opinion, is one of the best DJs out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a talent. He's committed. Himself, he commits committed so much time to it that he did it outside of the you know the events. So that was the first role that I filled. And once again, I'm doing all these roles, so people are like, "Hey, I can shoot photos. Mm-hmm. Or, can you help with the camera? Sure. Here, let me show you some basic functions." My attitude is if, if they shoot 100 and I get 20 good pictures, even though they're not professional, everyone's exactly. going to get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So photography, then I had somebody else help me with some videos. I had Charmaine help me with, um, she reached out, said, what can I do to help you with the marketing piece? Like I'm good with words, I'm good with strategy. So she actually helps me collab. Um, she helped me collaborate and sometimes ping over her different ideas that I had. Uh, she started writing the content on the on the on the page mm-hmm. um, started coming up with stories because an element that we need that unfortunately too many people just throw something out there like come to my event right <laughs> or here's some pictures and it's mm-hmm. a picture dump uh, but it's like writing something compelling for them to read and see a story read a story about the day the weekend that event and she was really good at that sometimes she wrote some stuff that was like oh my goodness you should be, i'm thinking to myself she should be published kind of stuff mm. so a writer and a contributor on the content side uh, as well as helping market it and promote it i needed someone to do lives because i realized like that was a great way to make people give people fomo right if you're missing out mm-hmm. and actually missing out if you're watching this you're probably already missing out but mm-hmm. you know here you go because that's For the next other time. thing one makes yes so that's that uh and then oh and the other people i had people that would go around dancing so one of the chief things that i made sure as a group we did is that we welcome people as soon as they walked in the door that were making especially if they're new what made them feel comfortable started to just and then do that as a group so there's 10 of us there's 10 of us pinging off of them and like making them feel comfortable imagine mm-hmm. that especially if you're brand new this is very needed because and if you've never danced before or come to an event like this you want and need comfort. It probably was a push to get you there. So some of them were like uh, operated almost as taxi dancers. We try to get around. They try to make sure that the new people are being uh, had some attention, right? So you have those primary roles and then the secondary roles were to help ensure that we're, we're watching the space, that we're taking care of people, making sure they're welcome. And also 
watching for people that are just harassing or just being belligerent. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that became apparent is now we're pe- bringing in so many people that some of them are jerks and are out exactly. to do some, some shit. That's Those the, the one thing about like going from a, to a bar or a place that serves oh, alcohol yeah, sometimes yeah, can use yeah. the alcohol and get a little bit crazy. And then yeah. with Kizomba, since it's a close dance, not everybody is conditioned to like, oh, just because you're you're one inch away from a woman doesn't mean that she wants to yeah. uh, to sleep with Be you or anything, anything like that. You know, I actually remember yeah. <laughs> you posting like, hey, shoot your shot. But if you get shot down, then sit down or something, something along those lines. <laughs> so I'm learning, right? We're learning mm-hmm. the events going and then some of these problems start to arise. Uh, so I came up with the shoot your shot policy. We're human beings. Like, let's not bullshit ourselves. Exactly. And we're going to have some attraction. And we, mm-hmm. you, maybe we may even act on that attraction. Hey, girl. Hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. However, and the, the policy is if, if you, you shoot your shot and you get declined, step the fuck away. Mm. Like, that doesn't mean that you continue to, to badger our, our people. And this is men as well. Men For and sure. women. Don't badger and, and, and uh, assault uh, our, our women and our participants, our men. But obviously, most of them are going to be women, the, the victims, or else you will be thrown out. We're watching. There's 10 of us in the room and it doesn't take long for us to pick up on like somebody's just getting out of out of hand. So, yeah, shoot your shot. But, you know, take the L when 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 they say no and they're not interested, move on. Play, play. It's cool. You don't want to be embarrassed and be thrown out of this joint. Mm-hmm. The venue actually was supporting me. They were totally on board. So we and I would announce it. But once or no, two or three times every at, at the end of it, because it became a, a regular thing that we announced it to ensure that everyone knew that we're watching. Right. Any of mm-hmm. these these predators on um, predators that were not only is it the policy before you come in, but we're going to say it again and again. So that way, even more allies are watching and then ensuring that we're we're just monitoring the space because we sure. want it to be safe space. It's a lot to ask to get cuddled up with a stranger and all of a exactly. sudden they're all up in your space. Definitely. So, yeah, that's definitely a huge part of it as well. Talk to us uh, before we get close to the end of the workshop here. Talk to us about uh, the different venue spaces that you went through, because I think you went through a couple of them. And I know that's a huge um, concern for like a lot of people, even myself, trying to find a place in Austin sometimes that will like even consider having something on their slow days or something like that. So talk to us a little about that and then we can get close to wrapping up the podcast. Fantastic. Uh, This is a good one. Because this is it's it's one of the key pieces to making this work. So the big takeaway from this entire conversation is having an event to to bring people in and to keep so new people, old people, retention, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you have to find that space. When I first started, I didn't have a space, but I um, so I rented a dance studio. It was my first attempt. I just wanted people to dance because we still needed somewhere. So the first two or three quote unquote events were practicas. Five dollars come out, so that's easy. Just get it. But make sure to get photos, make sure to get video because this is what you're ending, what you're putting together is a portfolio of success, a portfolio of what you've been able to do, right? Uh, of attendees of your events. One, and I don't know, sometimes I think that I'm just lucky that I don't know, maybe lucky luck favors the, those that are working hard. Mm-hmm. I walked into this bar, I'm, 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 I got my eyes open and I told people to kind of keep their eyes open that I'm looking for a space. But I walked into this bar that was small. Needed business, clearly needed business, but it had the right vibe. I, I just went up to the guy and said, hey, would you be open to hosting an event on, you know, say your slow night, whatever your slow night is of the week, would you be open to host an event? This is what I do. 
showed him some photos of, of the, the people that the events that I had in the past. And he's like, yeah. Uh, and I said, what's your slow day? And he said, Monday. And keep in mind, Mondays are slow, but people also hate Mondays, right? Mm-hmm. But I actually had someone tell me, like, when after I was putting it on and starting it, they're like, why would you think anybody would come out on Monday? Mm-hmm. I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's what day of the week it is, because I'm going to market the shit out of it. Exactly. And if I make it fun, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. People will, like, that was my approach. I understood his concern. Like, people hate Mondays. They just come home. They just want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, perhaps. I'm not saying that's not true, but then I'm, I got to do my job. But anyway, so we, so he gives me Monday and it was a small space. So my suggestion would be to go around, just find spaces and go in and check out how slow or busy they are. There, most places are eager for any way to get new people in the door, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> so this, we did that. We did that for about, I want to say maybe four or five months, <laughs> excuse me, before we had to cancel it. We were already, I was already anticipating the need to move because we were growing. Mm-hmm. It was small. But once again, I'm getting video, I'm getting photos. I have a portfolio mm-hmm. of this to show the next venue. And it's for some unfortunate reason, the place ended up shutting down. And really unfortunate. I wasn't even there. I was out of town. Mm. Um, so, but the crew, the team, while I was gone, man, they 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 were running it right. They picked up the pieces and ended up uh, moving it to the dance studio here, and still had a decently attended events. Put out messages. Got mm. it was such a beautiful thing to witness. Like I may have cried while I was in Portland. Mm. They made it happen, and it was so cool to have a team that was so committed to making it happen. But anyways. That particular day, it went down to the studio, continues to run. When I get back, I'm like, all right. First, as soon as I hit the, hit, hit the ground here in Dallas, I started looking for a place. What I did was crowdsourced it. By this point, other people also have seen what I've been able to do, so they mm-hmm. can attest to that. And I said, hey, does anybody know someone or venues that they would recommend? And I had seven, eight, nine, ten of them. So I went through them, and I had two or three that I was going to visit, like on a, I don't know, I forget what day it was. The very first one that I walk into is the one that I end up like literally and within five minutes of talking to the guys like, yeah, let's do it. And I think one, my personal confidence in what I could do, because, you know, if I go in there with a shaky voice, like, hey, you like mm-hmm. the in here, he's going to pick up on that. Like, can I trust it? Right. Yeah. Two, I was able to show him what we've been able to do, because by the end of the last venue, we were averaging probably 40 to 50 and it was starting to get packed. Mm. If people from out of town came in, we were like, ah, uh, Fort Worth was driving out. I mean, we were getting consistent crowd. So I show him that and he's like, cool. When do you want to do it? I said, Mondays, because we already had the Monday night brand. Monday night mm. is over. I said, all right, let's do it. And that's it. Like, because now I could show him the proof of what I was able to do. And it, A, I can feel it. I know, I know for a fact I can make it happen. And now this place was perfect because it was a, um, he calls it Afrobean restaurant, African mm. Caribbean. And they, sh- they, they serve African food. That's dope. Uh, so it kind of goes in yes. line with Kizomba. Dude, oh my God, it was the perfect place. Highly recommended by a friend of mine who's in the community. Um, and I looked at the pictures and I checked it out. There was other events being hosted there. So she knew of it for that reason. And I walk in and I, I fell in love with the guy. There was this vibe. He said, yes. But it's because I had that to show him. Mm. So my, my, I, one of the big points I want to make is just start small if you have to. But take photos, take video and start growing it. And then when you have to step up to a bigger joint, you're able to do that and show them because they want to sh- see that you can pull people in. Exactly. Know, they're on the hook. They got to have staff. They have, mm-hmm. have, you know, there's insurance. There's all these things. So I understand why they need, obviously, to have a good attended event. 
And I'll say this. It's very important to me that it becomes it, that it was well attended because I wanted him to make money. I don't charge for the event. Um, so one of the concerns I hear a lot is, well, people, you know, dancers don't don't buy drinks. Mm. The cool thing is that this place was actually a restaurant as well. But to back up a little bit, my attitude is, is this. If you bring in enough people, 80-20, <laughs> so the circle back around that. Mm-hmm. If you bring in 100 people, 20 people are going to drink. It's probably closer to 30, maybe even 40. Right. But if you only bring in 20 people and two of them are drinking, right, or four of them are drinking and they're mm. like they like can't sustain the, the, the venue, they need to make money. They need to stay afloat. And it's my number one job besides making sure my dancers are having fun. My other core job is make sure he's making money. So obviously announcements, you know, make sure to get you some drinks, support the venue. You got in here for free suckers. And I like, feel like it's it's good to have options that are outside of alcohol. Yeah. The restaurant piece was critical. And then it's good food, too. People mm-hmm. loved it. So it made it an easy sell. Right. And at, at that point as well, the, the, the I, I had to think I can't help but think that because it's such a good event, such good energy that I, I was just I was nurturing that energy that they naturally want to support it. Mm. Even it's the bias, right? Or coke, exactly right. It's it's a natural desire because now they feel almost obligated, but not because I'm demanding it. But it's like, dude, here, here's two bucks. Thanks for, for sure. hosting this. Yeah, people are good. People will, will more than support if you, you you put on something good. So that's still at the core of it. Have a good event. Everything else kind of uh, comes out of it, and you'll it, it, a lot of good things will come out of it. Mm-hmm. It's so so great, brother. And I feel like if so just to kind of like, I guess, bring this podcast to a close, I feel like what you're doing or what you did in Dallas is is super awesome. I feel like it's the first time I've seen somebody like advertise and build a weekly event uh, of that caliber uh, in a lot of different places. I think Montreal is probably the best place to go social dancing just because there's so many venues and so many dancers and yeah. so many instructors, you know. Yeah. Um, and you said before, like, it is nice to have instructors in the in the in the community that's already trying to yeah. uh give people a place to learn you know because if you mm-hmm. if you were doing all of what you're doing and there were no instructors then nobody's oh, yeah. going to have the technique to learn and all that kind of stuff you know yeah and if you were teaching then it would have been too much like to do all the things that you're doing for the event plus trying to run mm-hmm. a wiki class is just too much so yeah. there's a lot of team I members that need to kind of make the community efforts uh build and like my whole Kizoma career has been built on top of people wanting to invest in themselves and in their communities. And so they'll bring me out to host workshops. So I've seen this kind of thing firsthand, like what their struggles are to like run weekly events and bring in class people to their classes. And I feel like sometimes it's just too much to try to do everything. So having team members is, is nice. But then even if it's not somebody that's necessarily on your brand, but they're contributing to give a place to dance or something like that. If you're listening to the podcast, maybe you don't want to teach, maybe you don't want to DJ, but if you can find a way to kind of coexist with the other instructors and create like a, a symbiotic relationship, I think that's really beneficial to help get the community to uh, the next level, you know, because so many people I feel like get burnt out after a year or two of trying to do it all. And I don't blame them. And it's awesome that you're able to step up and add value to your community outside of uh, teaching and teaching classes, you know? Yeah, my approach has always been to help build a bigger pie. I use that metaphor. It's not a zero-sum game, meaning if I grow, it doesn't mean you don't grow. When in mm. fact, if I grow, you're growing. I'm helping. Like, there's a bigger piece of the pie that everyone can have a piece of. 
by trying to help get more people in. That's at the, the crux of it. If you don't have enough people, then yeah, you're going to be fighting for the same students. Like, mm. hey, you know, how dare you take my student or have that approach where it's a very scarcity minded mm-hmm. approach when in reality, there's millions and millions of people in the city. Now, granted, if you're in some little bitty city, then you have a bigger beef to settle with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's sure. only 100 people in your town. But if you're in a major city like most of us are, uh, or have at least a few hundred thousand, it, it takes some creativity and some investment in time, perhaps some investment in money um, to make that happen. But it's very possible. Uh, and especially if everyone finds a lane to kind of touch on the whole um, finding the lane kind of thing. And going back to my teachers locally, we are a little older. We, we've been around a little longer. This Dallas has mm-hmm. there's a handful of people already teaching, mm-hmm. which allowed me to then, you know, plug my skills into this. Exactly. Um, if they didn't teach, I think I could still host the event. I think it would still be cool. But inevitably, it would there be a quality drop off, mm-hmm. consistency drop off because and it happens. There's been weeks where I forgot to mention, hey, there's classes by the way, mm. because they take the free class and then, like we forget to mention there's weekly classes, and they're like walking around like, what's next? Mm. <laughs> what, do, what do now? <laughs> because there's a, there's a hunger. If they weren't here uh, from Fort Worth and Dallas, then um, we would be in trouble. It's a natural yeah, progression for sure. All right, brother, go ahead and, and let the people know about your your course that you're bringing up uh, one last time. And I think that'll be good for the podcast. Fantastic. This promotional moment has been brought to you by <laughs> Kids Passion. So uh, once again, I, my brand and is kidspassion.com. So if you're interested in finding out more about how to build a community, how to dig in deeper to a lot of these concepts that I just spoke about, um, I have a course that I'll be releasing soon. It's in development. And if you are interested, if you are interested to learn more and to be a part of it, I have a wait list uh, that you can sign up for at kidspassion.com slash waitlist. Um, submit your name, number, name, name, email. And if you have any questions, specific questions that you want to address, um, feel free to also input that and submit that. If you're a part of the, the, the wait list, uh, you'll immediately receive a 50% discount on the course when I release it. Uh, and possibly even uh, like a webinar where we can all meet, get mm. together, and I can walk you through some things and answer any questions in real time um, and help really give value for, you know, being a part of it and help. It's going to actually help me develop the, the curriculum even more. Um, it's something that I want to develop and, and have multiple versions because I want to learn from you guys and what you may be experiencing where you're at. And if you're trying to grow it and maybe it's unique and I'm maybe something I haven't haven't touched on, but because I am a marketer at the end of the day, I've probably seen almost anything that you can imagine. I help businesses do this very thing. I just decided to do it for Kids Passion, for Kizumba, for Urban Kids here in the community. That's it. Thank you, Charles, for having me. Uh, once again, it's kidspassion.com slash waitlist. Visit my different properties, all my social media to find out if I legitimately know what I'm talking about. You'll see the videos. You'll see the photos. It's been a cry- crazy, crazy ride, and I can't wait to get back on it. Now, Final big point. After we get out of COVID, there is a built up desire. Mm-hmm. There's people that reach out to me almost every day. They're like, when are y'all, are y'all teaching classes? Mm-hmm. They're like so hungry. Obviously, we have to take precaution, but you are still going to need these strategies to build your community moving forward. It's universal, it's timeless, and it's needed. Definitely. Thanks for coming. It's awesome to have you on the show. It's awesome to have your friendship over the years as an entrepreneur, as a dancer. And I think that we've been kind of pushing each other to, to higher levels. And I'm excited to continue to grow, excited to see your course grow. I have a musicality course that I'm working on as well. So it's like 
different parallels of different things, but it's good to have mm -hmm. um, a brother in arms is what I feel inspired to say right now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm really excited to see if we can help a handful of communities over the next year or two um, grow um, with the map, with this blueprint that we're going to put out there. So that's mm -hmm. going to be fun. And more people, like, then you have more places to teach. For sure. It, it helps me have more places to teach if I'm traveling and other people. And, and if I have the festival, there's more dancers that are willing to travel yeah, to come man. through. So it's like all benefiting part each other. Part of this big you know? ecosystem. It's part mm -hmm. of this big ecosystem. That's um, one of the pieces of content that I want to talk about, the ecosystem of, of the dance community. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. All right, brother. Thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> and I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. Absolutely. You have a good day too. Bye-bye. See you next week. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.